It's time to redefine and align to the badass leader and mother you really are. I'm your host, Nicole Weston. I have been coaching moms for the last decade on aligning to what they truly desire so they can be present with their family, create the most successful business, all while having it all. We're gonna be talking to moms all around the world who are diving into what does it mean to take care of myself? What does it mean to redefine motherhood so I can live it on my terms, so I can have it all? It's time to rise, and here's the thing, we can't do it alone. Join us as we have some of the most important conversations about how moms are taking their pain and turning it into their purpose. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back. I am so excited to start off this year of 2022. I'm excited to be back here with you. Let me be clear. (laughs) I'm going to get into all of the updates and do all the things um, for sure, but uh, I wanted to just say thank you so much for tuning in because there are so many different things that you could be doing right now with your time and it means the absolute most to me that you've decided to take me on your walk, uh, take me on your drive home from work or to work, to take me with you as you have a tea or a glass of wine, whatever it is that you're choosing to do with your time. Let me be very honest. I couldn't be more honored to spend this time with you. Just know (laughs) that every single download that I see means the absolute world to me. And I have been away for a while and I know and I get it and maybe it looked like it was just a holiday break, but let's be honest, grief is hard. Parenting is hard. Life is hard. Business is hard. These are truths. And I also believe parenting is effortless. Business is effortless. Uh, Life is effortless and grief can be effortless. I can hold two beliefs at the same time. And so today I wanted to reconnect, reconnect with each and every one of you. If you're new here, my name is Nicole Weston. I don't know how to put into words what I do and how I do it and who I am in like one sentence, let's say, let's be honest. So I wanted to start off 2022 with something I didn't think I was going to start with, but it is our reality. You know, as a business owner, I can plan uh, ideas and topics and conversations and interviews with some of the most incredible people. And then life happens and we need to talk about what's really going on. And so today I want to get really vulnerable, most likely, and be really honest with the reality that we're in. We are almost if I can do the math correctly, let's do the math. So 2020 to 2021 was one year, 21, 2021 to 2022. So two years. So we're like coming up to the two year anniversary, if that's true. And, and the only reason I'm, I'm questioning this is because I just saw a TikTok that was like year three of COVID. And I was like, wait, what? So that's kind of mind boggling. Uh, so let's not get all intense with the timing, but let's be real that If you are in Ontario, you know that we are currently in January 2022 in another lockdown. Of course, there are things that are open and the restrictions aren't as intense as they were the very first lockdown. But the reality is the things that bring us joy, the things that bring us life, the things that are essential, you know, what I believe is essential to me may not be essential to you. So let's just be honest and say the things that we believe in that are essential are not accessible. And I don't like to talk about, you know, politics and choices and and all of the things that are so controversial. But at the same time, it's like, this is hard. So this one is, I think they've all been really, really, really hard. I think that there's been this energy of false hope that, you know, a certain amount of people will get a vaccine, a certain amount of people will get the boosters, a certain amount of 
you know, we're, we're, it's all a numbers game. We're hitting numbers. We're trying to move forward. Um, we're, we're trying to put in safety measurements. We're doing all of the things to, to keep the world moving forward. And I'm just going to speak really honestly that in, in parenthood, this just feels like too much. So I'm not here to talk about my positioning on things. I think I'm a very much, uh, a very much person of let's do what's best for your body and let's all be kind, loving and respectful because we are all different people and no one has any control or power over, over anyone. Um, we must do what is, what we believe is true for our bodies and our minds and our souls. And I accept who you are and what you, and what your choices are. And so I also have high respect for our healthcare workers, our frontline workers, many of the frontline uh, sectors. I am in very close relationships with, let's just be honest, I'm in relationships with many, many people, whether that's family, friends, or clients. And I have the absolute honor to witness how this pandemic and regulations, specifically in Ontario, are impacting many, many different sectors. I am watching the ripple effect. I am seeing firsthand how it's impacting. And I'll get into that a little bit later. So it's like, I feel like I have a very intense, vast uh, awareness or perspective on how things are going. And I will say that there is no right way to do this. There's no, like, no one's winning here. You know, it's like, no one's winning. But if, if I... (laughs) This might make me emotional. Ah, might, it is. The ones who I believe should be winning are the children. And of course, I want to make sure that they are safe and they are secure. And physical health is so important. It is, it is our life and mental and emotional health. I believe in my personal beliefs is very important too. If you're a mom or a dad and you're listening to this, I want you to know that if this is hard for you and if you are having a hard time and you are feeling burnt out or stressed or overwhelmed and your patients are thin and all of the things, like, let me tell you, there's a reason why this is hard. It is hard because we are in a pandemic. I'm going to give you the top three reasons why this is hard. Ready? One, it's a pandemic. Two, it's a pandemic. And three, it is a pandemic. This is hard. We have never, never, ever been in this situation before. We can say we've done lockdown. We can say we've done isolation. We can say we've done it. And um, we have, but not for two years. As I watch the incredible strength and hope and power and resilience of every single person, I'm also seeing uh, the grief that is wrapped up in where we thought we would be right now, um, the false hope that is consistently being dropped. And I'm not, like, let me just be very clear. I am not blaming. I'm not pointing fingers. I am not saying anything about how this is being handled. What I am saying is, like, at the end of the day, what we are experiencing is absolutely difficult. And we can toxic positivity it all we want. I don't, I know that's not real English. We can, we can, we can sprinkle it on and we can say, and listen, like I think toxic positivity serves some really brilliant, uh, purposes. Um, but I also feel like it can trap us from like actually accessing the depths of our emotions. And so, you know, uh, there's a place for everything. Everything has its place. So (laughs) here I am justifying all of my things when I'm just going to be straight up and say, um, this is hard. That's it. Like there is no amount of mindset, law of attraction, positive thinking, anything that can like make this not feel so hard. Will it get better? Yes. Are we going to move forward? Yes. Are things going to change? Yes. We know that. We, we don't know the timing. And so it's like new year, new energy. I know that January, we know statistically, the research shows us that January is a very heavy, difficult month for many reasons. And to be locked down again is extremely difficult. And so to not have the kids in school, extremely difficult. 
to once again ask the primary caregiver, most often it is mothers, to carry the the load of navigating and managing the home, carrying a full-time job, whether that's working from home, um, not working from home, having your own business or working for someone else. At the end of the day, the impossible of working and managing the home at the same time is an impossible thing. It's like we already knew motherhood was like, you know, I I, I am bouncing back between parenthood and motherhood because I, I do work a lot and support a lot with dads, which maybe you don't know that, but I do. <laughs> so it's um, parenthood is in itself a really incredible experience that pulls you into the darkness and pulls you into the light. It is, it questions you, it, parenthood has this way of going, am I doing enough? Oh, I'm doing enough. Oh God, I'm not doing enough. Is this kid going to be a good kid? Is this kid not going to be a good kid? Am I raising a kind child? And then, you know, slap in generational beliefs and perspectives of how to raise children mixed in with how we want to do it differently and mixed in with uh, a pandemic, it's like we're done. We've really hit overload at this point. And I don't think that it feels as though to complain about it would mean that I'm I'm ungrateful. To not complain about it feels like I'm dismissing myself or gaslighting myself. So it's kind of coming together in community and being able to talk about the struggles and the real, the reality of what we're facing on a regular basis and how none of this is normal. None of it. I got to be honest. My daughter is now three and a half. And I remember my outlook on the beginning of this was like, okay, like she's young. Like we're already in a pretty very, like a very strict routine. Intentional routine, I'll say, because that's kind of just how I operate. But we are, we were very intentional with our routine. And, you know, I was like, okay, I, I was hopeful, you know? And now I got an email that it's time to register for school. And I'm thinking, what do I want to do here? Like, I didn't, I understand scientifically that like the virus is doing what it would be doing because it's like, this is a normal progression of a virus. Like I hear the science, um, but this is like a parent talking to a parent. Like this is just incredibly difficult. And I think we're underestimating the impact of all of this. And I think that is also a, uh, it's a coping mechanism. So like, I'm not asking anyone or anyone to do anything differently unless they've got the resources or the supports in place. But it's one of these things where it has become so normal to not do the things that bring us joy that we're, we potentially are at risk, are, are forgetting about those things we've created habits of isolation and I gotta say what what was I reading maybe an article on isolation and they quoted Brené Brown so I've read the book Daring Greatly I mean I've read every single one of her books currently working through Atlas of the Heart she she says like isolation and feeling that those feelings of loneliness can add are like equivalent the feeling so the emotional experience of loneliness and isolation is equivalent to, to smoking 15 cigarettes a day of what it's doing to our health. And that like just stops me in my tracks, you know? And I'm just using smoking as an example because that's what she used as an example. But like we can add anything in there. Like because you want to look at things as like everything in moderation. So anything we're doing like to the extreme or not at all, right? Like they all have an impact. And so then we layer in life and we layer in, we layer in grief. We we are looking at how did we live life before this? You know, and I'm definitely the first person to say that when this first happened, gosh, did it ever have me even slow down even more? And I was, I thought I had slowed down quite a bit. You know, I was working part-time, but technically full-time. And I had Hannah home three days a week. I was running a full-time business um, working two days a week. So, you know, I was, I was slowed down. You know, we got back to the basics even more of going to the forest every day, sometimes twice a day. And it was a really good reset. And so the thing is, that's like kind of confusing is it's like life slowly started to open up and things slowly started to change. 
Um, but our resources um, and our social connections, that part didn't really get to change very much. So it's kind of like this illusion. I have these memories of like driving down the road and it's like, okay, so businesses are open and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that stores are open and businesses are opening and we, you know, the resiliency coming out of the community, but then it just still doesn't feel right. Like there's just still something missing and it's like this illusion that everything is normal, but it's not. And then it like, we wonder why it feels so difficult to, uh, to, to cope. And then we had this like, you know, like restrictions were being lifted and everything felt really great. And now we're back into restrictions again. And that sovereignty or the option of free will, you know, like I'll get this like craving to just like, okay, you know what? Like, let's not make dinner. Let's just go do something fun. Let's just go out for dinner and like have that experience and like, you know, the social experience. And, and then I'm like, oh yeah, we can't do that. That sounds like super privileged. And I get that. I, I understand that that is super privileged, but before COVID, that would have been something normal, like going to a restaurant, going to get food, meeting up with friends, like those normal everyday things that we didn't think were adding or doing anything. You know, maybe we didn't think about those things. There's a lot of thinking that goes into that now. And so when you come from a place of like me, where I'm all about emotions um, and where they're at in the body and how heavy guilt can feel and shame can feel, it's like, we get together with family and friends and then someone gets COVID or we're worried about someone getting COVID or we're worried about all of these different pieces. It just feels taxing on the capacity. So every single person's situation is so different and we are all experiencing this pandemic in our own difficult ways and our own, there's lots of love and light in it too. But I would be lying to lying. I would be lying if I said that this isn't really effing hard. Parenting in a pandemic is fucking hard. I I can hear like I think where I'm pausing a lot is I'm I'm getting a little caught up in really respecting that everyone is in their own unique space, has their own a unique experience. And I never want to take away or come at you as like my experience is worse, better, or different. It just actually, to be honest, it's just different. Um, but never hear what my, I'm saying and never think that I don't acknowledge that there are a lot of systemic issues that play into making other individuals' experiences much more difficult. So it's like, I'm just having a really mindful moment of the privilege that I hold to use my voice, record a podcast, put it up on a podcast, have a certain amount of people hear it, download it, and listen to it. And I know that not everyone shares the same socioeconomic status as I do. Not everyone shares the same experiences that I do or has the same support as I do. So I'm like super mindful of all of that and yet I not yet and I want to still share my experience because I got to talk about it like I am not pregnant and I am not birthing in a pandemic but I know many mothers who had their first child in this pandemic and were isolated from everyone in one of the most beautiful joyful times I have friends whose children have still not met some of their closest relatives that is it's almost like it's so sad that we can't even acknowledge it because if we actually allowed ourselves to think about that, it would break us. So we talk about life coming into this world and then we talk about life leaving the world. So losing someone during a pandemic, whether to COVID or to something else, it's like the grief and the experience of losing a loved one during a pandemic is excruciating. Grief alone is excruciating. And then not being able to have access to resources that are otherwise kind of normal um, is excruciating. And, uh, and yet at the same time, there's this really, 
resilient, I'll say, resilient space that is being cultivated because it's like, I could think about what life would be like if it wasn't here. But the reality is this is what's happening right now. And right now I need to be here in this moment. And so boom, I'm in resilient mode. I'm acknowledging that it's hard and I'm acknowledging that I can move forward. So it's in these moments where it's like, yeah, like losing my mom in the middle of a pandemic and having, knowing that days before she died, we weren't allowed to see anybody. Our gatherings were limited. Um, you know, I think I was only seeing people outside. I wasn't planning family get-togethers. We weren't going out for dinner with friends. Everything was very limited. It was our bubble. So I was staying in a bubble with my mom and her partner, my dad and my brother, Brandon's parents. And it's like we have our bubble, right? Everyone chose a bubble and that's what we stayed in. Because I remember thinking when we came out of the first lockdown going, I will never do that again. I will never not see my mom because um, I had the opportunity that like her health was fine. You know, I wouldn't be risking her. And I know everyone's situation is different. So we had to make different choices. But for me, that was the choice we, we decided on that. That was going to be our bubble. Like, I will not spend another Easter. <laughs> Easter, April 2020. Now, I don't have a really good memory. That's why I take pictures of everything. So I could just see all the pictures in my head right now of... Um, Hannah getting dressed up in a beautiful Easter dress. We decorated the window, like made the most of it. You know, we had just shut down in March. So, you know, we just, you don't know anything. So we were very, you know, safe. And so I remember watching my mom walk up. I'm, wa I'm wondering why I'm even sharing this if I can't even get it out. <laughs> I remember watching her walk up and we stayed in the house and she stayed on the outside. And I remember when the restrictions lifted in June going... I will never do that again. You know, like, she's healthy, I'm healthy, we're healthy. Like, until something changes, like, we are going to stay in each other's bubble. And it was from that moment on that it was like, we would do park dates. Like, if we weren't allowed in each other's houses, okay, fine. So then we would do a park visit. And I remember being so timid around, M, is what I'm doing going to put my mom's life at risk? And so, or even our lives at risk. And so you, you just, you do what you know. You do what you can with what you know. But I just remember saying to my mom, like, we're not doing that again. Because that was really, really, really hard. So then lockdowns continue to happen here and there. Restrictions keep happening. But we, we, stayed, we stayed connected. And I remember thinking, when she died, all the people who showed up. The day before she died, you know, we were following the rules. And, like, we weren't making plans. And... We're just doing what we could to do safe, you know, like essentials, go to work, daycare, get food. And when she died, my house was filled with people. Most people were, you know, vaccinated or were healthy in the sense of like they weren't sick. There was no symptoms like we, I just want, you know, like we were safe. And everybody who showed up felt comfortable and safe with being there. So like nobody was forced everyone did what they felt good with but like at the end of the day people were there I remember hugging my brother for the first time in what felt like a long time maybe six months hugging him the day she died and going oh my god like something so tragic has happened and yet I still had this on my mind because I want to be a good, you know, I want to be good, <laughs> quotations. I remember being outside of her house, screaming, and looking around and seeing people with masks on and thinking, this is so weird. Like, crying in a mask is really difficult. Um, but also, not being able to hold the people you love when you are grieving is really difficult. So you know, exceptions were made and it was still in the back of everyone's mind. And it's like, you know, here we are like eight months later. And it's like, that was really hard. And I think that we can't, we cannot underestimate the power of connection, of community, of, you know, just connection. It is like an essential human need. Essential. 
Um, I'm reading a book, or was reading a book because I think I'm finished it now. I think it's either The Cycle of Stress or The Cycle of Burnout, or just called Burnout. And these two women talk about, doctors talk about the science of stress and the science of burning out. Um, It's an incredible book. I highly recommend it. And they referenced a study that was done in 2018. If I could get it right, I would. Let's see. Oh, it's literally right beside me. Um, I remember taking notes on this, actually. My grief therapist recommended this book early on in the grieving days. Oh, it's called The Secret of Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And the big, you know, title is called Burnout. So it is a New York Times bestseller, Emily and Amelia Nagowski. So, yeah, so they reference a study that was done in 2018 around the intensity of isolation and how connection is like so, so key. And so they break it down in like neuroscience and like all the science around it. So they go on to say, oh, sorry, 2018. It was actually 2015. Okay, so a 2015, now I'm quoting the book, I'm reading the book. A 2015 meta-analysis encompassing 70 different studies and over 3 million research participants from around the globe found that social isolation and loneliness increased a person's odds of an early death by 25 to 30%. In describing the results of a 2018 study on the health impact of loneliness, a chief medical officer from an insurance company described loneliness as having the same impact on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Also in 2018, so you know what? I bet you Brené Brown is quoting them or him. The government created a commission on loneliness, framing it. So also in 2018, the United Kingdom government created a commission on loneliness, framing it as a public health issue with the same health impact as living with a chronic disease like diabetes. Residing in the beating heart of every adult human is the is that infant who will literally die if she isn't connected with other people. Oh. <sighs> It's like, that was 2018. So I know we had to take certain steps in order to like save more lives. Like I totally understand why we have done what we have done. And we also need to remember that isolation and parenting in a pandemic are absolutely fucking hard because it is hard. And because what is what we need as human beings is connection. And I know for me, I've been reflecting on like all of the small ways in which I would receive connection. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a new mother in a pandemic because motherhood, the the moment the partner goes back to work is very, very transformational experience. And so to not have any opportunity to make a choice to do things Um, or see other mothers is difficult. I know for me as a generator, and if you follow human design, 70% of the population, I think, is a generator. Generators like to model things. So for me, I like to be around my friends um, and their kids because I like to see how they're doing things. Not because there's a right way and a wrong way, but because I like to see the different interactions. I love to see, especially hanging out with other three-year-olds. It's like, oh my gosh, your three-year-old does that too? It's like, We underestimate how powerful that is. It is the whole reason why the Me Too movement was so important because it was like, when someone says Me Too, instantly you are validated in what you see, feel, hear, and what you've experienced. When someone says, my three-year-old is losing it, (laughs) this was literally yesterday, was having a melting moment of, I cut the toast. I went and cut. So I cut the crust off. That was fine. Then I cut the toast in half because it was a very big piece. The melting happened. And it was a 25 to 30 minute recovery of that experience. And I know there's a lot of brain development going on there. There's a lot of like, that's just the way the three-year-olds are. You know, I know they're all the reasons, but at the end of the day, not being able to have an outlet to talk about that and hear another mom say, oh my gosh, my kid did the same thing to me. You know, like the self-talk, the negative thoughts, all the things start to really creep up and go like, am I the only one? 
what am I doing? Should I be doing something different? Should I, did I do something wrong? Like whatever your ego goes on about, it's like that right there without having connection, having a community and having a safe place to talk about that stuff, it can begin to really create the feeling that I'm not doing a good enough job. I'm not doing enough. (laughs) Yeah. Insert all negative thoughts and behaviors. So let's bring this around. It's like the mom collective. Number one reason why I created the mom collective was to have that connection of I see you, you see me, I hear you, I hear you hear me. We can see each other in all of our life experiences and go, me too. And you're not alone. And I think that's underestimated a lot. So if I were to say, let's find, let's get back to creating those spaces where you're connected with someone or something, whatever it is. If you're a mom, uh, join the mom collective. If you are really uh, looking for a community where you can work out, join Peloton, join the, what's the other one? Echelon app. Please avoid underestimating how important communities are. People always ask me in, um, you know, in terms of business, you know, like, how are you, what do you credit to your success and what have you done that you know like what have you done what was the one thing that you know you can connect to your success and I always say it's community I have been in business now for eight years let's say six of those years I've been just on my own five to six years honestly I have no concept of time and the reason that I succeed is because I have a community whether that's a coach, whether that's a mentor, whether it's both, whether it is a training program that I'm a part of, I have always put myself into other communities so that I could, number one, learn from other people, but resource and also hear other experiences. And I have to say, it's got to come right back to that loneliness experience. We love our alone time. Don't get me wrong. Like, Sign me up for alone time. Sign me up for an Airbnb where I spend a week there alone and just do me. Like, I love it. But lonely is a different experience. Loneliness is definitely a different experience. And we want to create really meaningful connections, not with everybody, with a few key people. And that is the game changer. So when I'm working, guiding, supporting, clients in a coaching container in a coaching program I'm this is what we're doing so yes the work is incredibly transformational and yes the teachings are so great but I have to say why do why do women return why do women stay and evolve and grow together because the container is that in which they feel seen and heard where they can say, no matter what I say to Nicole, there's no judgment. There's only understanding and compassion and resolution. And, you know, different programs, different containers will serve, you know, different needs. But at the end of the day, when you feel seen and heard and you are in a supportive container where when life is getting really difficult, you're continuously coming to the same person, me, and sharing all the things. And I have the opportunity to see the patterns, the opportunities. I get to be able to see the strengths and I mirror that back. And when I think about emotional evolution, for some of us, this is the first generation in our family. We, we might be the first generation in our family, either the first or second, that actually has the opportunity to really change the emotional evolution of our family. Like if you were to think back the last seven generations of your family before you, what were they doing? Where were they living? What was the family system like? What was the uh, demographic? What were they doing? What were they living? all of these pieces. And so when we really start to look at the family systems over generations, we might actually be the first generation that has 
all that we need to be able to begin the work of our mind and our soul and our body. It, it might be, it might not be true for everyone. But that for me is emotional evolution. And so when, for me, my why is like, I'm being called forward because I, I chose in 2012. <laughs> I don't know if I would say that then, but like it chose me, I chose it, you know, either way to really start doing the deep inner healing work and for myself. And that's a privilege. And now I have the opportunity to continue this work and continue to raise my daughter to have emotional evolution even greater than mine, which is always the hope. I always want her to have more and like more. I want her to be better than me. Like, I I think that's what we all can agree on. And I'm also keenly and mindful aware of the systemic oppression that exists within systems that create challenges, trauma, restrictions. Like I am so, so, so keenly aware of that. And I think the coaching industry is definitely missing a lot of that. Um, But coming from a social work background, for me um, as a social worker, one of the key fundamentals of our work, when I I was being trained, it was called anti-oppressive practice that I also was trained with a trauma lens, a trauma-informed lens trauma aware. So really looking at how all the systems and structures that are in place in an individual's lived experience are contributing to their actual, you know, day to day. And so it's not just about law of attraction. It's not just about manifesting and like self-care and self-love. It's about actually honoring and witnessing that there are real structures in place that make it very difficult to regulate the nervous system that make it very difficult to get to a place where we can say you know what i'm now moving my nervous system from fight flight and freeze into um, safe and secure and now i can move on and, and and look at rewiring the nervous system rewiring the neural pathways and be able to give myself a break and we might be the first generation that has the opportunity to do that. So it's like, why is this all so hard? Because it is so hard. It is so hard. For me, 2022 looks like it's turning to be a year where we start to have even more difficult conversations than we were already used to having. It's like maybe before you wouldn't go there, but if you've been in my world, you've gained the skills or the tools or the resources to go, now I'm going to go there. Because when I go to that depth and when I go into that vulnerability with my tools, <laughs> PS, with your tools, the connection that is made with the people on the, like, on the other side of that vulnerability is so much more, it's, like, it's worth it. Whereas before, we may have just stayed um, in the vulnerability and backed out and stayed on the sidelines and I really think that where we're going, you know, evolution is we have to make space for having hard conversations. And in order to do that, we need different tools. And in order to have different tools, we've got to be able to give ourselves permission to say, I'm worthy of doing it differently. I think the majority of parents want to do differently than their parents. But the challenge is, if we're not going out and getting different resources or skills or tools, it's going to be very difficult to do it any differently. And so for me, the mom collective, my programs, why I do what I do is to say, I see you and where you're at. I meet you where you're at. So let's start there. Let's get back to the basics, get the fundamentals in place. Let's create a safe and secure space for your mind to regulate your nervous system to regulate. So we can even begin to introduce the other concepts of self-love and self-care, which then can transcend into manifestation and law of attraction, which then can transcend into compassion for self. And all of these, I'll say cornerstones, 
these small action steps on a regular basis, choosing kindness, doing things differently, having that expansion of self-awareness for self, all lead into emotional evolution. It all leads into fully knowing who I am and what I desire and living a more intentional life. Because transformation doesn't mean that everything is like love, light, and beauty. It means that, yeah, I can see that beauty a lot more, but I am still human. And I think where we're getting caught up most of the time is forgetting about our human and going, oh, just figure it out. You know, everything's okay. Everything's okay. We're, we're okay. We're okay. But the human body is like calling us back. It's like, I've got wisdom for you. I've got wisdom for you. Like, come back to me. Come back to me. And so I love working with women and men who are like, I'm ready to remember what it feels like to just be fully in my body and fully aware and making conscious decisions to do differently. I'm ready to take full responsibility for making changes. I'm ready to, to increase my personal choice. I'm, I am ready for all of these pieces. And like, that's who I've always worked with. That's who I will continue to work with. I'm thinking about all of the individuals I've worked with over the last two years, specifically in this pandemic container and where they're at now. And it is like, I don't, it's exponential growth. Exponential growth. And I was reminded of it today when I was watching a YouTube video of how important those everyday actions towards self make that impact or that breakthrough that everyone is looking for. Um, the challenges, no one talks about what happens in the in-between. No one talks about day one, where we're at. Everyone talks about day one and day 100, but nobody talks about the days in between. And the days in between is where I show up. And so uh, let's bring this back to pandemic. I know we're going to get out of this. I know things are going to be different. And I know where we were before. But I get, I have permission to talk about the days in between and how difficult they are. I have permission to recognize that right now, parenting in a pandemic is really fucking hard. Relationships and love are really hard in a pandemic because my, my natural way of being, which was already very intentional, all the things that I did for myself and for my family, I don't have the option to do that anymore. And so, yeah, it's caused me to be really resourceful, which I, which, yeah, I'm grateful for. But I'd be lying to say if I didn't say watching parents struggle with, with virtual online schooling, watching children struggle with not being able to see or hug or play with their friends in person and their, their little minds not being able to really comprehend that because basically their brain is not developed fully. You know, because their brains don't develop until we're 25 anyway. So it's like, this is a lot. And the reality of like watching all the women I have worked with over this pandemic, they are utilizing the tools. They're utilizing the resources. They are in total alignment with themselves. And the messages that I receive on Voxer, on Instagram, are that of like right now this pandemic is really fucking hard. And because of the work I've done with you and because I'm in your world, it's not my world. It's just access to, to my world not even my, like, access to this way of, of living and this way of taking care of ourselves, because of that, I'm making intentional time for myself. There is more pause in my day. And in all of that, it's really fucking hard. It's almost like permission to unravel. Unraveling does not dictate your worth. And so being able to separate the two, I would say, has been such this, a significant change. It is the Voxer notes that say everything right now is super chaotic and I'm navigating it with calm. It is dropping to my knees, bawling my eyes out and giving myself the permission to, to, to process and release those emotions and stand in my power even more. It is witnessing the women be so empowered in the unraveling. It is witnessing the empowerment in the darkness. 
it makes me really emotional. <laughs> Everyone take a big deep breath. If you have a vagina, breathe from your vagina. In my Becoming group, we call it, we're calling it now the alumni for Becoming. Because <laughs> we Silver Voxer group opening and opened and, and we connect often and cheer each other on. And, you know, just the connections that were built were just so meaningful. But the Becoming framework, there's five five pillars, which doesn't make sense because, you know, five, but whatever. The second one is in between, in between two worlds. For me, at the time, that represented um, life in the womb and life outside the womb and that transcendence in, from womb to world. And when the child is being birthed, whether that's through you know, the cervix and the vagina or the belly, there's a moment where the child exists in the womb and exists in the world. And there's a lot of pauses, right? Like I, never, I did not have a vaginal birth. Couldn't tell you, I, all I can tell you about my C-section was that it was uh, pretty traumatic. And it was, I was in a lot of pain. So I was, there was nowhere, there, <laughs> I wasn't um, philosophizing around, oh, look at my daughter, she's halfway in my womb and halfway out of it. And oh, it's so incredible. No, like, no, I was not. I was asking for more epidural and am I going to, like, I'm not even trying to be, like, I'm not being funny at all. I, I, I was like, am I going to make it? That moment of, like, where am I going? Because for nine months, I've been pretty happy. You know, I've been really, really happy in this womb for nine months. And then it's time to transcend into a different space. And, Yeah, just that moment of going in between two worlds and what does that look like? Coming back to that innate wisdom and the becoming framework as, I, as I've been referring to it is like really taking you through the different stages and phases so that you can learn the framework, practice the framework within a community and then you always have the framework. You have the structure. You have the framework to reference, where am I right now? And how do I move from this stage to this stage? Or even just the awareness of what phase and stage I'm in. And I, and I believe that that is life-giving. And so the Becoming Group, I think we finished up in mid-July. My mom died in May. And I was going to launch a group in May. And then just recently, probably in November, so that's not recent. But in November, I recognized, holy fuck, I'm walking myself through my becoming framework as we speak. And so, you know, the framework is, is not about me. I believe that it was something that came through me. It has been a framework that I have intentionally practice with clients since the onset of my business and to say that I have duplicated this framework hundreds of times yeah 100 100% and so here I am in 2022 going what does my future look like where do I want to go how may I serve how may I serve myself my family and my and my community and at the same time, I'm in the framework myself. <laughs> Why well, share that with you? Because it's like vulnerability at its highest, most respectful form that I'm not preaching the work, I'm in the work. I'm not saying it works because it's a really cool marketing strategy, which marketing strategies are very, very important. But there's so much truth and embodiment in the work. So all of this to say, this podcast episode has gone through all the things. I feel like it's kind of like a recap of all things. Um, but truthfully, I had no intentions of recording today. But I couldn't help but be called forward on coming to the fact that right now it's really hard for every single one of us in our own unique ways. And that's okay. 
And if I may encourage you to connect with someone who you trust. Um, and if you don't have someone that you trust to call one of the helplines or the crisis lines, even though they feel very, very weird, I am surrounded by people I could call at any given moment. And I remember on the onset of my grief, yeah, it was Mother's Day. It was the day before we cremated my mom and I called, I'm sorry, 310 Cope. That's what I called. I called 310 Cope. I have referred that number in the, in my entire, for my entire career. I've referred that number. It's an incredible resource. Um, And I used it the day before Mother's Day. And um, it was like a 15 minute chat, 100% saved so much of me. It it 100% helped me so much. So if you're in the midst of a struggle and and you you just can't see where to go next, please call 310 Cope. And if that feels like it's not enough, please call 911. Access the supports. It's okay that you're not okay. It's okay that this is really difficult. You're not meant to know how to do all of this because we have never done this. And it's okay to just give yourself permission for this to not be okay. I hope that in today's show episode, show episode, you feel connected. I hope that you feel heard and seen. I hope that you're taking something away with you that will make an impact, even if it's just to, hmm, not just, but even if you were to give yourself permission to do one new thing. Ooh, there's a nice energy shift. One new thing for yourself every day, and maybe that is to read um, for 15 minutes a day. Maybe it is to have a hot coffee in silence every day, even if it is in your closet. <laughs> um, if you have a light, hopefully. If not, put on a light. Whatever it is that you're doing, please remember to take care of yourself. It doesn't need to be luxurious. It doesn't need to be glorious. It just needs to be kind. So, From my heart to yours, thank you, thank you, thank you for spending this time with me. Sending you so much love. Thank you so much for listening. I want to hear from you. What did you love about today's podcast? What are you feeling inspired to do differently? Find us on Facebook at Redefining Motherhood and tell us all about it. You can also follow along on Instagram at the Nicole Weston. Here's the thing. We were never meant to do this alone. And it is time to redefine motherhood and live it on our terms. I believe we can have it all. And I believe in order to do that, we've got to do it differently. Follow along and let us know. Be sure to subscribe. We drop a new episode every Wednesday.